Welcome back to another sci-fi episode where we are going to be examining how we think, feel, and behave with money. I'm especially excited for today's podcast because I do have a special guest here with me today by the name of Matt Zaid. He has been assisting me with some of our financial readiness program snippets, classes, and now with a podcast. I greatly appreciate his wisdom and his input, his insights, and today you'll get to hear some of that. We did complete our wellness summit yesterday, well attended, and got some great feedback from folks here at Redstone Arsenal. They want to see more of those things in person. So we're planning and get ready for the financial symposium coming in March 2024. Of course, we'll send out the flyer and registration sometime in February. So Matt, I'm excited that you're here. You were in the financial well-being class with me. I noted a couple observations, and I'll be interested to hear what your observations are as well. But in particular, I saw a lot of head nodding when I would talk about what financial well-being is and what it is not. And by the way, audience, you can go back and listen to the financial well-being segments or uh, podcasts, part one and part two, just to kind of get up to speed. But one of the things I found clarifying more often than not is that well-being does not equate to happiness. Right. That was one of the questions that was posed in a lot of the classes. I did three separate ones on the same topic, and there was actually a happiness class that was offered same day. So let me go ahead and validate for everybody, well-being is not a fleeting feeling like happiness. Happiness is an emotion, and absolutely, we seek happiness, and that's a good thing, but well-being is something that we can possess even when we're unhappy. And I couldn't help but think of, and I know you're a parent as well, parenting, there are a lot of low-level negative emotions that are experienced throughout the day just via parenting, but we still love our kids. We experience family or familial affiliation and comfort and care and a lot of wonderful things, but we also experience a lot of negative emotions um, such as fear or anxiety or worry. Gosh, they were supposed to be back already. Where are they? But we still possess a sense of well-being. So what are your thoughts on that? So, you know, think about well-being. My my thought on that is that a lot of it, it's kind of like a, it's the sense of security. Yes. Right. It's that it's that it's that warm that warm blanket, you know, it's the blanket that the kids carry around with them. It's that sense of security. If they have that, life is good. Yes. Right? Um, they may not be happy at that moment, or they may be absolutely ecstatic. Doesn't matter. They've got their blanket, life is good. Yeah. Right? And and the same thing can be said from from a finance perspective of if you have the basics covered in many in, in many cases and you have that basic level of security for yourself and your family, then that goes a long way towards making life a lot easier all around. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, no, I completely agree with you in terms of well well being. Is I, I, and I don't, you know. We talked yesterday about how a lot of this is not necessarily tied to uh, 
well-being and income are not necessarily one and the same. Right. Right. You know, there's a point where more money, you know, they say more money, more problems, right? Yes, uh, absolutely. But uh, there is a certain point where once your basic needs are covered, once you're secure in that realm, now you're just talking, you know, I'd say diminishing marginal returns would mm-hmm. be, a, you know, more of a textbook term for it. But it's like, a, does the stuff that you get above that, is it really making you happier? Exactly. Or, or is there something deeper underlying that's that you need to address that you may be trying to fill a gap with something. That's so perfect because I heard, uh, I do like country music, let me go ahead and confess. And I heard for the first time a song by Dan and Shay called Bigger Houses. And the lyrics go or read, the thing about happiness is it doesn't live in bigger houses. And I know that I'm saying well-being is not happiness, but you're talking about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, essentially. Once your basic needs are met, and the Harvard study on happiness and money found the same thing. Mm -hmm. When your basic needs are met, there's, there's a level of stress that is reduced and so sure. When it comes to having your basic needs met, Money can buy happiness only to that degree, but anything beyond $75,000 of household income does not increase happiness. So you use the marginal term. Mm -hmm. Really, where we need to find that margin is to create margin with our families, to create a buffer, to create Mm -hmm. boundaries so that we're increasing not only our financial well-being, but our well-being as a whole, and again, with those head nods, I saw people yeah. making or taking copious notes. And one in particular, uh, she was actually a deaf participant, and her interpreter was letting me know her story where she too thought that status symbols were what was most important for her at one point. But she came from humble beginnings as well, and she fell in love with a car, had a love-hate relationship with a car where she had to get here from D.C., Mm -hmm. and it was sputtering, it uh, was breaking down, but it got her where she needed to be, Mm -hmm. and she was so sad, she grieved the loss of that car. Um, It's funny that we can make connections with inanimate objects, but obviously we want to make more connections with people and relationships. But that's just another example. Income is not what drives financial well-being. Again, as Consumer Financial Protection uh, Bureau researchers found, it's tied to creating savings and buffers but more so, the drivers are confidence that you can follow through with a goal that you've established for yourself. Planning your financial future. And yes. as I told the audience, and as you're nodding your head right now, if you just write it down and get it on paper. And this morning in my inbox, I have a person coming in for an individual session. Tomorrow, in my inbox this morning, he put... Oh man, finally got it down on paper. It's a huge Eye step. opening. Yes. That's a huge exactly. step. Because there's so many people, they'll have a nebulous plan in their head, right? Ooh, good word. Right. Yeah, it's just way out there. But they'll have this plan in their head, 
and they think it's a plan, but they never put it to paper. Right. And when, until you actually see how something lays out and then you see how it lays out against the other things that you want to either do or have in life or the other important events within your life and how that per- portrays across time and the money involved in all of those, you don't really get a picture of, is this doable? Mm-hmm. Is, do I need to rearrange things? You know, we, we, you know, you and I were talking yesterday about timelining when you, when you do things. And it's, you know, when you're young, you have the energy to climb Mount Everest, but you don't have the money. <laughs> when you're older, you have the money, but you don't have the energy or the health. Right. Right. So where's the balance in all of that? Sure. Sure. And this is what you've laid out. You've created a personal and professional plan that we could tie to financial well-being because it all goes together if we just take the time to write it down. Mm -hmm. Because what we tend to do as humans is only have this mental accounting, whether it's our finances, our dreams, our hopes, our expectations. And having provided marital therapy several times, I can tell you couples who actually write out their expectations tend to be healthier because then they're able to communicate more readily. This was my expectation. This is where I was disappointed. I'm not disappointed in you. I'm disappointed that this part of my expectation wasn't met. And it's the same with life. We have these hopes, these dreams, these expectations, and there's this constant letdown and sense of disappointment that we're not getting where we want to be. But I wish that the audience could have the same visual that I have. Matt Zaid has created this wonderful... Wonderful is probably a stretch, but uh, it, it's it's a work in progress. Uh, well, my <laughs> eyes can't help but keep feasting on the, the different subcategories. So walk me through this, Matt. If you had someone in your office, you know, kind of like I do, and I say, mm-hmm. you know what, if you could just take five minutes mm-hmm. to write down what this is, what this is, where this is coming in, where this mm-hmm. is going, you can take years of stress off of your life. And it's the same with this. You, you, you can. And actually, this is actually like part two of the, of the, of the whole thing, what, I, what, what I've kind of done over time, right? And the first part is, um, well, the, the origin of this thing, honestly, is about career planning, mm-hmm. right? Because you, you're told in the military and on the civilian side as well, you're, all, you're, you're kind of told this is, these are the jobs you need to have to get to this point in your career. Um, and if you do these things, you'll general things, you'll be successful mm-hmm. up to this point. And these are the positions and the types of things you need to, you need to do. This is the education you need to have. This is the training you need to get. These are the experiences, right? And so the, the, you know, if you want to say like a human capital triad, when you're talking about the experiences, the education and the training, right? And so all of those things together should get you to a certain point. Take that and then Expand it a little bit. Now, what's your spouse or significant other doing, mm-hmm. right? What, what are your kids doing? Expand that beyond the professional. And what do you do in terms of what are your hopes and dreams? What do you want to accomplish in life? What do you want to, where do you want to go? What do you want to be? And who do you want exactly. to be? Exactly. Right? Because those are very, very deep questions. And very few of us have the time and some, sometimes time or energy to, to sit down and reflect enough to be able to do that. So the first part of it, actually is is just a set of questions and it's things like 
where do you see yourself in five years? Mm-hmm. What, th- what are the things that you want to do? What, are, what is your bucket list? Where are the places you want to see? Mm-hmm. Uh, who are the people you want to meet? What so are now the- you're drawing out not just goals, right. but values. Yes. And that's really the key, right? Yeah. Because if your values are experience-based, but all your goals are materialistic-based, are your values and your goals aligned? Maybe, maybe not, right? You know, a common one is is owning a house, right? And we were talking yeah. about this again yesterday, right? Oh, lots of folks who so thought they had to own a home we to be have financial, to own a financially it's, successful, yeah, it's which the is the only alive. way I can be successful. Right, and it's right. absolutely not the case, right? Right. In fact, if you're not going to be somewhere for long, you probably shouldn't buy, right? You know, I mean, there's a use case for everything. There may be certain circumstances where, yes, it makes sense for you to buy even if you're there short term. But in the most cases, you know, if you've got a $300,000 house and you're putting 20% down and, oh, my God, math in public, I think that's 60 grand, right? So it's 20% down is 60 grand. Well, if, you know, if you're going to – Two grand a month is is the going rent rate for the type, you know, the number of bedrooms that you need and bathrooms and whatnot, mm-hmm. right, and the location. So if it's two grand a month, then how much does 60 grand get you in terms of time living in a place? Yeah. You know, you're talking, well, boom, 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 right, counting on my fingers, you know, that's, a, that's what, 30 months? Yeah. So that's almost three years of being in a place to... And then all of the risk in terms of if something goes wrong with the place, if yeah. you know, if it needs major repairs, if uh, that that's that's on on the the land. And then you put all your liquid savings in the down payment, right. and then when the HVAC goes out, you don't, you have, don't have the fourteen money. grand right. to cover it. Yeah, so you so erased that buffer. Right. Exactly. You erased that piece that gave you that peace of mind mm-hmm. and that that sense of security and your financial well being mm-hmm. may actually go. Down exactly by buying that house that you think is going to make you more secure. Yes, and in the long run, over thirty years, maybe it will, mm-hmm. right? But in the short and medium term, it's gone. It, it like it's it's risky. It's right. very very risky. And you're and you're really hitting a good point because a lot of folks are only going by what they hear. Yes, and there are a lot of people who are feeding people a line. Mm-hmm. That unless you own a home, you will not be financially well, you will not be financially successful. Mm-hmm. So people will set their sights on whatever it takes to own a home. Yeah. And then, like you said, it creates more stress. Mm-hmm. Financial well-being goes down the tube. And then if they had only taken the time to sit down, write out a plan... Mm-hmm write out the cost associated, potential cost, real cost, all these things together. Now, audience, when you hear real cost, potential cost, you might say, well, Olivia, I don't know how to calculate that. It's it's really not as hard as it seems. No, and you made yes. a good point that people make money seem hard. Right. Yeah. They'll use these fancy terms, mm-hmm. debt to income ratio, right. net worth calculation, cash flow analysis. What does that mean? And then it's they throw so a number out simple. and say, you have to have this yes. by this age or you're not successful. Right. Which, and it's totally not, not true because it's relative to 
yourself, your values, mm-hmm. your personal situation, and, and there is no right answer. And I love that you have here, part of this vision board really is what I'm seeing, is you also have, this is individual, but you also have family mm-hmm. listed here. What's the family dream? Just because one individual in the home is really inching towards having that home ownership Mm -hmm. perhaps the other person hey you're missing out on what they've wanted to do this person might be gifted enough to be an entrepreneur and create their own business so now there's an opportunity cost that is being overlooked and now because you've purchased the home that spouse or that person in the family has to push that dream aside of having their own business for what? It could have been more lucrative for that person to have started their own business Mm -hmm. than to purchase a home. So you talk about just doing simple math, and that's what I want the audience to hear today. Money doesn't have to be hard. It, and, and now I was one of those that thought money was hard because of how I was financially socialized. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if my family is claiming bankruptcy four times, money must be really difficult. And if they can't figure it out, surely I won't figure it out. Mm-hmm. But that's not the case. No. no. The basics aren't hard, right? The basics to provide security are not truly difficult. Any, any, anyone can do it. Mm-hmm. It's... Because again, like going back to what we were saying yesterday, it's 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 very subjective. It's not a one size fits all, and it's not you must meet this criteria. Right. It's a sense of security. Do you have that sense of security? If you have the basics down, and you can provide those basic needs, again, you're so much further ahead than so many people in this world. That's a very good point because a lot of people think, well, if I don't have this amount in my bank account or if I don't have this or if I don't have that, then I'm not doing well. And right. and basics here is very important. Oh, absolutely. Because if if we have the basics down, we have the foundation down, then we have something to spring from. Mm-hmm. And that's what I love about this vision board as it pertains to your career span and and selecting for you what would fit you and your dreams because guess what one of the reasons we dream about what we want to do especially as a young child and I remember you know at in my 20s just thinking about gosh once I once I have my career established I just can't wait to have my own vehicle to be able to buy nice clothes just to be able to have a place and call it my own. Mm-hmm. Those are basics, right? Those are, it, it's, it, it's, it was an exciting time to think about just meeting basic needs. And then we move into that direction and then we meet our basic needs and then, oh, got to keep up with the Joneses or mm-hmm. so-and-so has this. Why don't I have this? So we have to temper mm-hmm. our expectations, but it all starts with career decision making. Uh, Okay, now I want to say this up front. You can choose not to go to college Mm -hmm. and do very well. Absolutely. Educational attainment is not what is going to make you financially successful. No, not all. Because as we, uh, you know, the audience just laughed hysterically when I I was on the slide of educational attainment and financial well-being. 
when I shared that there are folks with PhDs who are as dumb as a doorknob and are not financially well. They might be bringing in a bunch of income Mm -hmm. or they may have the PhD and not be bringing in an income at all. Right. Or they're bringing in a less than expected income. And this is not to not PhDs. I mean, gosh, we have higher education ourselves, you know, and, and so... We, I, I would never, I'm, I'm very proud of my graduate degree, but at, at the same time, education is not what makes us wise. Right. Just as income is not what makes us rich. Very true. But if we have aspirations and an expectation of living in a home with a pool and a pool house and a guest suite, we really do need to look at our career projection. Is we what we're wanting to do, we do going to fit that desire? But I think the bigger question isn't, you know, if that's your dream, great. Why is that your dream? Yes. Right? Because once you get there, you may find out that that may not make you happy. Yes. So understanding yourself, your drivers, your values there's a big difference between having something because it is it truly fulfills you and it's or you're exploring something or you're experimenting with in your own life than it is just to have it because people people say you should have it right you should have this new car because it's the best thing in the world and you, you don't necessarily need to have that new car there's a lot of money in throwing new things at you whether you need it or not. And until you take a step back and ask yourself, okay, what's their incentive here? What are they, why am I being, why are they coming at me with this? Why are they trying to sell me this, right? Take Netflix, right? You, you know, <laughs> or, or name your subscription service. You know, you, you get in there, it's, it comes every month, it's not that much, it, it, you, you know, now you, do you really need it? Yeah. But no, but you you keep it because it's nominal cost, and you just like, oh, well, I turn it on every once yeah. in a while, and I see it, and it's, you know, it's kind of cool. And it's cost creep because then other costs start to creep up. Well, if I have that subscription, then, mm-hmm. oh, it's not so hard to have the Amazon subscription for the Hallmark Channel. Right. And for, uh, yeah, I know. My husband really gets me on that one. Or for the, the, the British. Walks yes, away. Yeah. The, the British Channel, you know, and all those other things. So you think you're making, you know, you're getting a good deal because you don't have to buy all those episodes. But I'll end with this. What you're really talking about and what we were talking about yesterday, a culmination of these three classes together, is the tyranny of the shoulds. Yes. We are living other people's shoulds. Mm -hmm. If you really want that house with a pool and a pool house and a guest house, Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong with that. No, absolutely not. There's no judgment that. Absolutely not. If that is in a line with your values Mm -hmm. and what you are seeking and wanting in life, that is great. Right. But if you're wanting that because it's someone else's desire right. for you, it's someone else's should, right. then before you know it, we're shooting all over ourselves. That's very true. And then we're living someone else's desire. And then guess what's missing? Well-being. Yeah. Forget about happiness. Our well-being is shot. Mm-hmm. Before you know it, we have these physiological responses from our psychological responses, and it all working in tandem, we're just not healthy. 
And by the way, audience, I didn't go further in my introduction of Matt Zaid. He is an accredited financial counselor candidate. He's already passed his test. Yep. He's gaining his hours. And again, I'm very thankful for his insights. And uh, I know going to be hot on the market when he's out there uh, providing financial education and, and working with folks, just a wealth of information. Uh, again, if you are one of those folks who would like some individual help and you're wanting to get out of that tyranny of shoulds or you're wanting to increase your financial well-being and you're wanting to put something down on paper like we talked mm-hmm. today, having a vision and and having what is yours and only yours and maybe your family's as well on here, then please give me a call, 256-876-6299. We'll set up an individual session. And, and if one thing, if I could, before we go on, on this, doing this exercise once is great, mm. but this is something that you should probably redo maybe once a year, maybe once every other year to see how if your goals have changed your values have changed? Um, do you need to realign something? Uh, has there been some significant life event that would that would affect a lot of it? Because you might find that over time your goals change. Absolutely. Your, your perception changes. Yes. Your ki- you know, life happens and that's okay. Yes. Right? And you might look 10 years down the road back at your original one and go, wow, that was off base. And there's yes. nothing wrong with that. That sounds a lot like balancing your portfolio, doesn't it? Sure does. So you do that about once a year, and that's mm-hmm. the only time you're allowed mm-hmm. to look at your TSP number <laughs> yep. and other yep. accounts, right? Thrift Savings Plan, for those that aren't familiar with that acronym, or your 401k. But hey, bringing this all back to money, mm-hmm. this is a plan of action. And so when we are financially equipped to pursue a dream, or if we're not financially equipped Mm -hmm. to pursue a dream, what will it take to posture myself to pursue Mm -hmm. what that is? And that's what Matt's talking about. So thankful that you were here today on this podcast and looking forward to doing more with you in the future. Thank you so much. Thank you.